Okay, we're going to stop right there at that part. Jesus is referring to Daniel the prophet and what he said. And um, I believe he, he talked about this three different times in, in the book of Daniel. And, and uh, one of them was Daniel 11.31. You don't have to go there if you don't want, but if you want, you can just make a, a note of it. And I'll read it for you. Daniel said, And they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. That's what we're going to talk about today. The abomination of desolation. The sign that we will know, and we'll get into it and we'll show it in the scripture, that we can literally set our calendar and start counting the days. From the sign. So, it's interesting, in my Bible, it was confusing to me for a while, and I think the only reason why it was because like, this whole chapter is just Jesus talking. But in, in mine, I have the red letters it says when Jesus is talking. And so, right here, it's in, in parentheses of saying, let the reader understand. And from what I understand, what I've read, it's just Mark is like, just trying to get, just realize that Jesus is directly quoting Daniel in this, okay? It's just a direct quote. So, let's do a little a little history recap here. And this is like the best I have to keep your guys' attention at the beginning, so good luck. So, we all heard of, hopefully, Alexander the Great, right? Alexander the Great. So, he um, had this dream that he was going to spread uh, Greek culture and language throughout the entire world, okay? And he almost did it in his lifetime. Uh, he so one night he's drunk and he's just like crying out because he pretty much did it. He pretty much conquered the known world. And he's like crying out, well man, there's nothing left. Right? And so he dies that night. Before he dies someone says, well where do you want the kingdom to go? Who do you want the kingdom to go to? And before he died he said that he wanted to give it to the strong. So it was divided up between four of his generals, okay? And so, I can't even say the four, I can barely say the one guy's name, so I'm just going <laughs> to go right to the one guy that is, pertains to what we're talking about. And um, his name was Seleucus, okay? So he established the Seleucid Empire. And then, jump forward a little bit, and we have the eighth king of the Seleucid Empire, and it was Antiochus IV, all right? And the interesting thing about this guy, which is common with all the stuff we read about the Antichrist and the people that were false messiahs and given said that they were the Messiah and God told them and all the stuff that we talked about the last couple of weeks, he did the same thing. He gave himself the name Antiochus Epiphanes, Epiphanes, which the Epiphanes means just God made manifest. So he believed that he was the embodiment of Zeus. Okay, so in 168 BC, he surrounded Jerusalem, attacking it, and he killed about 80,000 Jews, and then he took about 40,000 of those Jews and sold them into slavery, and turned, put them into slavery. Okay? So then, he went to the temple, and he tore down the altar of sacrifice, the Holy of Holies, and he put an image of Zeus up there. Okay? And he demanded that all the Jews worship it. And then he took away all the daily sacrifices, and then he brought a pig into the 
into the temple, which is to the Jews, is unclean, right? Like this is the abomination, right? And he killed it and he spread all of its blood and juices all over the temple. So after that, he turned it into a brothel. Which that's what you do after you desecrate <laughs> the temple. Um, so when this happened, the Jews at the time, like they knew that it was the fulfillment of Daniel's um, prophecy of the abomination of desolation. Okay. So I'm just going to read that again really quick the, from Daniel 11.31. Just so you guys can see how it exactly lines up. And they shall defile the sanctuary fortress. Then they shall take away the daily sacrifice and place there the abomination of desolation. Okay. So after doing that, you can imagine how it made the temple desolate. Abomination of desolation. Okay. We're going to stop right there. Jesus is telling his disciples this after it happened. This is where I'm going to try to keep it from getting too sticky. To, to, I'm going to try to make it so you guys understand it. Okay, so Jesus is telling the, the disciples this. This abomination of desolation has already happened, right? This, when Antiochus Epiphanes did this, it was in the, um, what is it called, the dark era, the, the 400-year period from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's when that happened. So we know that it happened prior to Jesus telling um, telling the disciples this and having it here for us to read. So it was fulfilled, Daniel's prophecy, in part. Okay, this is this is where we need to understand. It was just, it was definitely fulfilled. It happened, but it was only in part. Okay? So, because in verse, verse 14 it says, when you see the abomination of desolation, future tense, when you see it. Right? And he's, he's telling the disciples, ask the question of, when will these things happen? This is what Jesus is talking about. So when you see the abomination of desolation, Jesus is saying there will be a greater fulfillment of this, prof in a, of this prophecy in the future, future tense. Okay? So question. Since Jesus is saying this, has there ever been, since Jesus told the disciples this, has there ever been abomination of desolation? There has not. There hasn't been. Sure, as like we read in the beginning of this chapter, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem, the Romans destroyed the temple, but they never they never went in and, and set up an idol and, and forced them to sacrifice this idol, right? That that never happened. Okay? So Jesus predict, predicts that there will stand a temple in the future. And something else with this little disclaimer though. So we're gonna we can hold this end time stuff loosely, and I don't mean we hold it loosely like the way Jesus comes with his wrath and his mercy and love. Like I don't I don't mean that. But the reality is, is some of the stuff is just a mystery. So there's a lot of amazing scholars that think it's gonna happen this way, and then some think it's gonna happen this way, and some think it's gonna happen this way. But at the end of the day, like it's about Jesus and him winning and conquering, and that's that's it. So that's what we're going at. So. As we go forward in this, just just give me grace and just this is I just went by guys that I trust and that I know I you know I trust Rory obviously he's a leader of the church and bounce stuff off of him and and there was even some stuff there that wasn't exactly that these other guys were saying but it didn't change it didn't change what we're talking about so 
people, we just don't want to get hung up on this stuff like, of, oh no, I, I read it this way or think it this way as we get into this, okay? So, so Jesus predicts that there will stand um, in the future a temple, right? Okay? And the end time world ruler, the Antichrist, will reenact what Daniel prophesied about that um, Antiochus Epiphanes did. It will happen. And another way that we know this is this is future tense and will happen yet in the future. Um, let's read what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2, um, 3 through 4. If you guys, it's up to you if you want to turn there or just write it down, you can look it up later. But I'll, I'll just read it for you. So Paul says, talking about um, the Antichrist and these end times, he says, Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the Antichrist, right? The son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Okay? Another... We're just seeing there that Paul is just talking about what's going to happen in the end times of the Antichrist here. Another part of Daniel that Daniel talks about, this is in Daniel 12, 11. And Daniel says, And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away, the abomination of desolation is set up. There shall be 1,290 days, three and a half years, Okay? Daniel saying when you see this happen, you can literally mark it on the calendar and start paying attention. Literally says three and a half years. From when this happens, Jesus is coming back with all of his mind, power, and his glory and holiness. So when we're reading this, Jesus is saying that this is just the pivotal sign. Okay, this is the sign in and of itself that he's coming. He truly will be coming. And again, in that verse 14, let the reader understand, Jesus is, Mark says that, but um, Jesus is trying to get us to understand that it is the direct quote, we can believe it, it's happened, Daniel said it, it's coming again, true, for full fulfillment. Okay? We can expect in the future the temple to be built in Jerusalem. That's another thing we talked about a little recap for you guys that were here in the beginning of like um, Jerusalem, uh, Israel, Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives is like the center of all this stuff where Jesus went out from. He was crucified there and all this stuff and resurrected there and then where everything is going to come back to for this end time. Um, so, interesting thought here, okay? There's never been a temple rebuilt as of today, right? But there is, on the, on the, um, the Mount of Olives, up there, there is um, a golden-shaped dome the Muslims have, right? As of right now, today. Okay, but there, it's not the temple from, that's not the Jews. we got to make sure we understand that. Okay, so with that, 
we could see how, okay, how's this happening, or is it going to happen? Well, there's not, there's not a temple up there yet. Are we looking for a temple? There's a group of people in um, Israel, in, in Jerusalem, that are called the Temple Mount Faithful. And they're just a group that, that um, already are trained to rebuild the temple. There's already a Sanhedrin in place, this governing body, just like the Old Testament, just like it was. They already have like all the things that goes in the temple, like to the specs, to the teeth, ready to just go and, and make this happen. Interesting thing I thought that I heard, so I, I mean, I'm not saying I know this because I've been there, was that it's really not a huge movement, but it is a, mo a movement there, and it's thought that it's in these end times, it's going to get some traction and for it to happen. It's funded. You know, they're just, they're, they're there and they're ready. So, knowing that though, like, they don't realize that they would be fulfilling this prophecy in fullness that Daniel talked about, okay? So, another thought about this as well is, think about... <laughs> Both the Jews and the Muslims, they both want this same piece of ground, this same piece of property. It's a big deal to both of them biblically. It's this holy land, okay? Two different religions. And personally, and, and I heard this from, you know, uh, I'll say a guy that I use a lot and I trust. And again, we hold a loose because we'll find out what happens. But it kind of makes sense to me. And so I just want to share with you guys because maybe this is how it would go. But... Um, I can see something like this happening that, so you have the the Muslims that have their dome up there, and you have the Jews that, that's their holy land, that they want to have this temple built. And, um, you know, it would take, it would take a political genius, right, to get this to happen. To get these two to bring peace to each other to where they could both be on there, or whatever, however that would look, right? Like, it would just... But it would be it would be like, oh my gosh, how could somebody did this is amazing. And this person is such a motivated just a guy that people would follow to get this thing done that he could boy, people would follow this guy because that is that's such a divisive situation there. So it would, if someone would come in and solve this unsolvable problem, you could, maybe you see where I'm going with this, it potentially could be the Antichrist, right? this worldwide governing official that could make this happen. And so, to, to join these two big religions together, I think it would, I think it would get people's attention, attention, I guess, is what, I didn't come up with this, but I, I would go along with this, you could see it. As you just see these things are laid out and potentially could happen, you know, with this, this, um, the, Temple Mount Faithful being there ready and, and all that stuff, right? So, let's remember, remember though, earlier in the teaching when um, when the Daniel, prophet, uh, Daniel the prophet tells us, and this was this was two weeks ago, or three weeks ago prior though, he said, he said that there will come this ruler that will make a pact with Israel and break the covenant, then wars will escalate. That's when we were talking about um, the end times, these things, we'll see these things, but Jesus says, but not yet. Okay, so one last thing. Well, let me back up. I lost my place. 
Okay. Anyway, that's all I have on that. But one last thing before we move on from this, because we're still on verse 14, the first verse. Um, so if we are here when, when, this, when this happens, and the temple is built and is put back to spec, and do, do we see a problem with that happening as Christians? If it's put back to spec and all the things are in there, that would mean people would be coming back, would be sacrificing things for the atonement of sin. As Christians, that would be a big problem, shouldn't it? Shouldn't it be? We know that Jesus was the final and the only and the, and the last sac sacrifice to, for the atonement of all sins. Every sin. So, we, as a church as well, we also know, which I love, it reminds me of Johnny's sermon out here of the Lego blocks, that we're the temple of God. We're the church. We're each, every individual little block, right? The little ones, the big ones. It all takes it all to make the church God's body, or Christ's body, okay? My point to all that is, you guys, is that these things that people are wanting to happen, they think the Jewish people think they need to see the temple put up and all that stuff, they miss the boat of Jesus, right? What Jesus did, we're the church, we're the temple, his temple, his body, okay? So now, let's read what the abomination of desolation will result in, okay? So, I'm going to start back at 14 and, and read through to 18. Let's see what Jesus says there so we can move on. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, sorry, we're back in Mark, if I didn't make that clear. Uh, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Uh, let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not, may, that your flight may not be in winter. Okay, Jesus is saying... If the wars happen, if the earthquakes happen, when the persecution happens, those in and of themselves, not the end times, right? But when the bottom, the abomination of desolation happens, what do we read right here? He says, run. He says, get out of there. Go. It's going to happen there in... In Jerusalem, for sure, but you got to understand, when we're talking about the end times of Jesus coming back, this is going to be a worldwide thing that's going to happen. But he's saying, run, get out of there, flee. And we know he's talking about it being right there, because in the end of verse 14, it's, it's geospecific of being um, those of you who are in Judea, flee to the mountains, Okay. There's going to be massive persecution, massive attack upon God's people. Now, some people read these words of Jesus and think that, you know, all God's people will be around for this when this happens. The Great Tribulation is what we're talking about, a seven-year period, okay? 
In other passages of scripture, it seems that this abomination of desolation would happen right in the middle of the seven-year period of this great tribulation. Okay, So Jesus is warning us about all these things. So us as Christians... people would think that we're all going to be around for it if he's warning us about it. All of us. But I studied this and read it and, and just from, again, the guys that I, I trust, like, I believe that Jesus made a promise that he would catch his people up, rapture his people up, he's been caught up. I believe that that will happen to believers before the Great Tribulation. So that was another thing that we talked about recapping a couple weeks ago of, um, of what the, the disciples were thinking were happening versus what we think today when we think of Jesus coming towards the earth and then us being brought up in the air to meet him, it says. And then we think of his second coming of when he, is, comes, when he comes to the earth with his church. Okay? So God says that he will snatch his people up. He will be taken up. All the Lego blocks will go up. <laughs> so, you know, some Christians debate on this of when this will happen. Will it happen, you know, before the Great Tribulation, during, or after? And this just reminds me of talking to non-believers, really. I just think of, it's kind of like, my mind always thinks of like, and it probably isn't dumbing it down to them, but it is to me. Like, talking to a non-believer, you would say, okay, I can't get you to believe anything in the Bible, but, it, like, you know Bible thumpers. Weird Bible people. Honestly, if you could just put your pride aside and just honestly say, would the world be a better place if we all live by the Bible and acted like those weird Bible people, or if we acted like everybody does? Just simply, could, you know, to, could, if you just put your pride aside, would the world be a better place or not? And if they were honest, they would say, well, yes, it would. And then the next thing they would say is, but nobody will. Right? And he's right. Or that person would be right. But when I'm, I'm thinking about this of like, when is the rapture going to happen? Or is the rapture going to happen? Or is it going to be in the middle or the end of this period? I'm just saying, I believe it's going to be, we're going to be raptured up with four. And I would encourage everybody to believe that. Simply because... Why wouldn't we believe that? Why wouldn't we want to give our lives to Christ, to live for Him, that He would have His stamp on us, right? We're His. We are changed from inside out. Why wouldn't we want to be raptured up and then we don't have to go through this great tribulation? We're going to get in, like, we're going to close the over you guys, I know. We're going to get into what this great tribulation is like. It's something. So, why wouldn't we believe? That's my plug. Like, why wouldn't we believe we'd just be raptured up? before the Great Tribulation. We'd be all in. We love Jesus. We're giving Him our whole life and everything in hopes that that's what happens. Okay, we'll find out when it happens. But I just, I'm going to stand with that. Because I say, why not? Just the same as talking to a non-believer like, well, why? If we all acted like, or we all live by the Bible wouldn't the world be a better place? Same idea in my mind. So, um, 
I'm going to read to you where I, it helps me believe this um, of being raptured prior. And, I, and I, it's out of Revelation 3, verse 10. And Jesus says, Because you have kept my commandments to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. That kind of sounds like it to me. It really sounds like it to me. Okay, so, why did Jesus even say this? Okay, this is, hopefully you guys are following me and tracking me, because I'm going to kind of like, I know I have a lot of loose ends here, and this is going to be another one, but, so, why would he even say this on this idea of, of um, telling us this in Mark 13? If we're, if we're going to be, if we're believers and we're going to be raptured up, why, why would he tell us this? We wouldn't be here. Why would he say, flee? You know, why would he tell the disciples they're, they're already gone, right? And we know the abomination of desolation is coming. It's future. Um, I think I think he said this for those specifically who would experience this and would come to him in that great tribulation is what I think. Because the Bible says that there will be there will be millions of people saved in this great tribulation time. And if you guys remember last or a couple weeks ago when um, I just touched real briefly and I said I would come back to it, but you, if you listen to the sermon prior, you would be asking yourself, so why, um, how would there be people in the great tribulation if some, if the believers, millions of them saved, if there was, if you were raptured apart of that, there would be no believers to be there, right? You see what I'm saying? So here, here's where I want to touch on. God, it says that, that God will send Two people, some believe that it's Moses and Elijah, in those those end times after rapture, right? And he says that they will convert 144, the 144,000, the chosen people, the Jews, okay? So, I just think, that's, that's, so that's where we get that. That's where we understand, okay, if we're raptured up, then there's nobody there. Well, there is, because God's going to send these two people, then they're going to spark up 144,000 Jews. And if you understand 144,000 Jews that are com- that are converted to living and knowing Jesus Christ is a big deal because think about the 12 disciples. They turned the world upside down, didn't they? Can you imagine 144,000 Pauls? They're going to get some stuff done for Jesus. So they will be converting millions of Gentiles, these 144,000 Jews. They will be converting millions of Gentiles in the same time. Okay, so I don't think that hear this part. I don't think that that this works against God's desire to remove as many of his people from this earth beforehand, before the Great Tribulation. Verse 19 tells us how terrible this Great Tribulation will be, so let's get into that. We're back in Mark, verse 19. For in those days there will be tribulation such as has not been seen since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened those days. Then if anyone says to you, look, 
here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. This is why he is saying, take heed. Believe my words and run. Okay. I read, I wasn't going to throw this in there, but I think it's important. So when I read this, I was saying, take heed and run. I'm like, wait a minute, we don't, we don't run. We're supposed to go and die for Christ. Why would we run away from this? And I read, J.C. Rowley was talking about how we look, if we stop and think, like there was times that, that like the mob was coming and Jesus fled. There was times that Paul fled. There was times disciples fled. Like they weren't running necessarily from their faith or anything like that. Jesus is just trying to get to us how extreme and crazy this time of tribulation is like the world has never seen. But we just read from 19 to 23 there. Okay? It's saying something huge. And this is where I want you guys, like everybody just like put your hands up. Just do it. It's weird to work on Okay, that was literally just to try to get you guys focused again. <laughs> I know I'm not doing a great job with this, but just stay with me. I can only use that once. <laughs> can we do that whenever we want? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're going to be disrupted. You oh, my bad. <laughs> You're in my house <laughs> okay, so he's. Uh, let's let's just look back in the history. Like I just, it's good. We're talking about end times. We're talking about um, things to come and how serious it is to give our lives to Christ. To potentially not have to go through this time of church, great tribulation that's going to be terrible. So let's look at the worst times of the world that we know to date. Okay, obviously one of the first things, the Holocaust. Uh, my father-in-law was just telling me about another thing called the apartheid, which was something in um, Africa. Yeah, the same kind of idea as the Holocaust. Terrible, right? Think about World War II with Stalin. Come to find out, Stalin, what he did, Hitler was, like what Hitler did was child's play mm -hmm. compared to Stalin. Numbers of people killed, right? These are terrible things. Think of the bubonic plague. Maybe that would be relevant as we're going through the COVID right now. But the bluponic plague, it swept Europe, right? Okay, in eight years, it effect, afflicted two-thirds of the population of Europe. Half of everybody that it afflicted, they died. Crazy. 25 million people were killed in eight years. That's a bad one. Think I'm putting yourself in those shoes of you know, parents, kids are dying, vice versa. Just like, what do we do? There's nothing we can do. It's just happening, right? Terrible times. This time of tribulation, Jesus tells us, is going to be worse. This is why he says what he says in verse 20. That's why he says, and unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. Do you get that? That's how bad it would be. If you wouldn't have shortened it, remember the 1,290 days and three and a half years? I mean, and that was half of the tribulation period. 
he wouldn't have shortened it, he wouldn't have made it seven years, nobody would be saved. But because of those elect, because of those people that give him his life in the end of verse 20, he shortened those days, he says. So, his wrath will be trying to think. I heard in a sermon in town today something that was going to go with this. Ah, I'm going blank. But anyway, so the idea there, though, the good news is of how all that bad of the tribulation, we just said it, the good news is, though, is, is also in that, that it's not forever, right? He pours his wrath out, and then it's over. So, that's why when the abomination of desolation happens, we can mark it on our calendar. It's not going to go on forever. That's good news. Let's understand in any hard times, especially these times described above, you know, let's remember people tend to run to things that sound good or instant comfort. And that's a warning here for us from Jesus. Because he keeps saying, like, people will come in my name, people will come in my name. Well, and he's along with telling us how hard these times are, we're going to be looking for comfort anywhere we can find it as the world, right? But he's saying, know the word, be in the word, don't be deceived, because you're going to need to know the, his word and truth completely the best we can by giving our lives to it, or we will be deceived, right? So he's saying... Especially in these end times when all this bad stuff's happening, our sinful nature is going to want to cling on to the first thing that's just somebody that might be a savior and, and, and help us through it. And he's just saying, stand fast, run away from it, flee, and know the word of God and be ready. And hopefully be raptured up, or if you are, we are, whoever our grandkids are in that part, you know, maybe our job is if we're not going to see it, that we, we raise our families up and they hopefully would raise their families up and this this just happens and, and starts going in this way. So when it, when it happens, and maybe they're in great tribulation, they know where the rock is to be founded on and to be solid in the storm. I'm going to uh, we'll close it up there, Rory, if you want to come up. We um, definitely <laughs> halfway through the chapter. We're going to uh, continue on reading through this. But um, to finish with verse 23, I'm going to read it to you. Verse 23, Jesus says, But take heed. See, I've told you all these things before. Right? So what is the message for us today as ranchers in Plyna, you know, as Christians anyway? Maybe some of us believe in rapture, maybe some of us don't. Maybe some of us believe it will happen 
the middle of tribulation or at the end. I believe, though, the word for us in this is just simply the creator of the world says, take heed. And at the end of the day, we're sitting in this church, I'm hoping we believe in Jesus entirely. And it should be good enough, he said it. It should just be good enough. He said it, we better do it. Everything that he's prophesied as, you know, is, has happened and is going to happen. So see, he says, he's told us. So let's believe these words entirely. His words, capital W. His way is definitely better than our way. And don't forget what he's told us, that Satan will use anybody or anything to deceive us. He'll tell us that all religions are close enough to the same, and it's okay if you're a little off here, a little off here. And that's not what God says. He promises he will be, that we will be with him in glory, and it will be for him. So as we've been going through the whole discourse, I'm not praying right now, but I do pray that we, we see God's wrath as we read the scriptures, because along with it, I pray that we see his mercy, love, and grace. It's always right there. It's always right there. So we don't need to get afraid of it. We're talking to people. They don't like all that doom and gloom that the Bible talks about and stuff. Well, man, the world is doom and gloom, you know? So for those of us that would just humbly, and this is the, this is the key, this is the ticket, is uh, if we just humble ourselves before Jesus and just truly ask, ask Him. Ask, seek, not. That's what He says. And He promises to meet us there. Because that's how, that's how we learn how to do it. Because we've been learning and we've learned before, it's not by our own strength. So it's a confusing question. Well, then how? Well, that's how. We ask, seek, not. Jesus tells us that. Let's do that. Let's get into the Word every day. Make time. Jesus make time for it. Jesus will make time for everything else. Guaranteed.